Jonas, prøv at lukke dine ører op. Hør, hvad det er, der gentager sig hele tiden. Du åbner en dør op til et rum, der er fyldt med de smukkeste ting. Jeg er ked af mig. Jeg Slap af et øjeblik. Luk øjnene og slap af. Peter Beater is track number four on the 2009 album No More Stories. It's produced by Rich Costi and Mew. Bass on the song is played by Bastian Yu. It's also the second track on the No More Stories EP, released on June 29th in 2009, almost two months prior to the actual album release. Finally, it's number 14 in the Grand Fringer survey. Hi, this is Jonas from Mew, and uh, you're listening to the MewX Podcast. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you feeling about this song? This song is fantastic. Yeah, it's a good one. I love it. Yep, same here. Ready to dig it. You've, you have not had any, like, deep impressions about this song before uh, we start doing <laughs> no, this? Many. I mean, like, I don't feel like I need to get into how deeply I've thought about this song just yet, because that'll come later. It's, yeah. It's, okay. uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Same here. I mean, <laughs> this is probably one of maybe three songs I would choose from to introduce a non-fan to. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, it's got like a real nice swing tempo, like the, you know, the vocals are kind of in like a normal range. So it's it's really like easy on the ears. And I feel like it's definitely a good new intro song. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't outstay its welcome either. It's very no, short. It's so if you're short, not into yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've always seen it as like the, the radio fodder. Um, but obviously, the more I listen to it, the more I'm like, but it's definitely not put together in a way that you'd expect, like the the way that you think radio fodder is put together, right? Like, it's it's there's something going on underneath, and uh, yeah, and I, like then there's the whole girlfriend, like it's there's these obvious lyrics to it, mm-hmm. which is always kind of like made me wonder. There's something going on here, and I and I've never been able to pinpoint it. So I'm I'm really hoping that you guys bring the goods today. Yeah. Let's, um, before we dig into it, look a little bit of the at live, because it seems that it was only played live during the No More Stories tour, and then was dropped for many, many years, and it wasn't until this recent anniversary tour for Fringers back in 2018 that we actually saw it brought back. I believe it was the intro song. Which is nuts, because the song is just so good. It is perfect for a concert, and 
Why they would mm-hmm. drop it, I'm not sure. They just got a massive back catalog. That's so really what it yeah. is. I mean, yeah. I, I guess was is that's what you guys think it is. Mm-hmm. I know, like some some bands are kind of you know they get really sick of what they're playing. So I wasn't sure if maybe it was that, but I always got the impression that this was kind of like another one of these Muse songs that was never really picked up by fans or by really? audiences. Kind of, like, yeah. In the same He's way, appreciated. Yeah, in the same way, like, uh, Why Are You Looking Grave never really took off in in a way. Mm -hmm. Like, there was always other songs to outshine Mm -hmm. it in some fashion. But it's it's at number 14 on the Fringers survey, so it's pretty high up there. Yeah, it's definitely well-received. Yeah, I mean, it it has a video and it has, like, uh, single release. I think that helps a ton, the fact that there's a video for it. And it is an easy song to like. Uh-huh. Uh, it is an easy yeah. song to understand and to get, even if you don't know Mew. Yeah. And like, you, like, yeah, it is. It's very straightforward in a way. So, but but I don't know. I think if I wasn't into Mew, like, sure, I'd, I'd probably like this one in maybe in the same way that like Snow Brigade is an easy listen. Yeah. But I don't think it would make me interested in the band in, in the way that other songs might stir my interest, if you know what I mean. Right. Like on a, on a casual like listen, if it's yeah. just on the radio or someone just puts on the, the song or whatever, right? Like it's not... Uh... I, I agree about that because I don't think I've liked it more than I actually do now at this point because I've listened to it so much now and I've, I think I finally got it. I like I've always liked it a lot, but it's like now I've, it's reached another level for me. Like really, now it's one of my favorites. Yeah, because I've, for some reason I just listened to it so much the last few days and it suddenly clicked a bit more for me. Mm, it's always just clicked for me. So I never had that yeah, kind of ramp up. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I never I never had like one of those like slow burns mm-hmm. or, you know, a grower no. with this song. Like right. it's from like right for me for the get go, probably same with you and um, you know, we just liked it straight off yeah, the bat and we yeah. loved everything about it. See, I don't feel like I've it's grown on me. Like I've I've listened to it a lot as well in the last few days and I still feel the same about it. Like and I, I felt the same way live. Like seeing it live, it's just the same song, right? Like this, mm-hmm. it it doesn't feel very different. It doesn't. They didn't do anything. Like it didn't extend part of it, like they did with Beach. They didn't have a mysterious demo version of it, like they did with Sometimes Life Isn't Easy. They didn't like they they. It never really felt like it. It did much other than just exists, and then they just dropped it. And I never really missed it in the in the set lists. Like I remember being a bit taken aback when they brought it back in 2018. Be like, oh, what what is this opening song? I feel like I definitely know this song. Hmm. Oh, hang on, yeah. it's Repeater Beater. Of course, it's Repeater. But why they're yeah. bringing it back as an opener? And I was like, it just felt so like okay, let's just get this rock and roll pipe high started and really? then just jam some songs, right? Like I never, really, yeah. yeah. There's something about I agree it that with, just about that. doesn't elevate it and yet it it's it's not a bad I mean song. I guess I guess because uh and I mean I didn't listen to the live recording um of it but I'm just I'm just going to kind of take your word for it that you know I mean there there're just some songs that they have that you know just you can't really do much with it you know like you can't yeah. really medley another song into it or you know, kind of go straight into something else with it. I mean, I kind of disagree. I feel like they could use that that outro to introduce a new song 
and I'm sure they do that, you know, when they, when they play it live. But yeah, I mean, like some songs just exist to exist and they don't really mess around with it too much. Yeah. Um, but I guess like my mentality with, you know, this song and some of their other songs is like, don't don't fix what's not broken. Like, don't try to get too experimental with it because then you kind of take away from the allure of the the song. Yeah, I, I remember uh, being like surprised as well, like you said, Thomas, about when they brought it back for the uh, French's anniversary tour, and it's like, well, I kind of forgot about this song almost. Hmm. It's like I, I didn't expect them to play it at all because I just forgot that they used to play it live. But it it was cool to see it live. But it's not like I need to see it during each show. I feel like I really enjoyed the album version of it, and it's it's really cool. So I, I think when I saw it live the first time, they had that really wicked um, backdrop where it was almost like you were being hypnotized. It was a very um, quick flashing light. And, um, and we, we have a link of, um, I think it's Bristol, where somebody had recorded yeah. that same sort of thing in 2009. Um, like just the intensity of the visual part of it with the flashing lights and the uh, animation that looks like that typical sort of hypnosis image with the intensity of the music is just it's it's a whole body experience so when you get that experience versus them just playing it it's totally different so when i saw it in that Mm -hmm. fashion i was just you know totally blown away by it and i went back and found somebody else's recording of that very same show that i saw and i was like okay yep this is what i remember like i was hoping to bring that up as well because like i remember that that's the thing i remember the most about this song live and that was back in 2009 Mm -hmm. that and when i think about it it made such an impression on me that i decided to take out my phone in 2009 and try and take a photo Mm. of it because i was like this is amazing Uh like this is looks Mm. great and this was the Kobe Helton show that I've also talked about previously with the uh, curved roof Mm -hmm. and the huge backdrop on the back and like these these huge squares just appear behind them and like move slowly and move up on the 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 ceiling and I was sitting with that total overview of the whole stage and crowd and ceiling and then the the spiral comes on later on in it making this like spinning hypnosis thing and it just went out on all the walls mm. and like it was real intense and like wow. it, it definitely gave that impression on the song so again seeing it in 2018 it was very like it felt i feel a bit it fell a bit flat but mm. as a, in a bit like yeah it, it just yeah. didn't have that impression on me like it wasn't as cool as in in 2009 when uh when i saw him then yeah i saw it in the summer sun as well during the middle of the day, <laughs> day. like it was oh, the yeah. same <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, oh, Mew, Mew only works indoors at night in complete darkness, yeah. right? With a backdrop on. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I agree. Otherwise, there's no mystery, is there? No. <laughs> I kind of feel like the music video is more interesting than the song itself. Mm-hmm. Yes. And like, yeah, I could get of all the that. songs they decide to try and hypnotize themselves for. Okay, so let's um, let's set the stage here. They made three videos introducing Palace Players, Beach, and Repeater Beater. And uh, they made these uh, with a uh, directing team, uh, the most famous of them probably being Martin Detura, who also worked with them on their sp- on Special, the mu- music video for Special. And uh, Repeater Beater was the last of the videos they had to record. And what they decided to do was to supposedly invite a 
hypnotist to come in and hypnotize the band and put them in a trance where they then get to listen to their own music and sort of criticize it as if it wasn't their music like they would be unaware it was their music and i love that supposedly i imagine that repeater beater was just that song and um like i always remember thinking like oh why did they pick repeater beater for this purpose there's more interesting songs on this album to to analyze and like that's always been my my approach to it but now i can't help with all this hypnotist like hypnosis uh, imagery both in in like the visuals but also in the song which I will get back to like it kind of starts to make sense to me like and that's something that's come up in the in the last like as, as we started doing this podcast really and I was like I wonder what's going to come up in the repeater beater episode and uh, hyp- hypnosis was just such a clear clear theme but maybe I should just let Jonas talk about it a bit um we we spoke with him back in episode 12 after after our season one here and um he had this to say about it it, it was supposed to be real i mean it, it is real because it also is i kind of exposed in it that it wasn't really working yeah. at least not not entirely um we were supposed to have this really famous uh hypnotist the reason we wanted to do it is like we wanted to sort of document what it would be like to be hypnotized and then listening to our own music, you know, not knowing that it was our own music. Mm. And then, you know, we were kind of hoping that someone would be like, oh, this is really shit. Or whatever. <laughs> it would just be funny. It would be yeah. funny to have like our own honest opinion on it. Um, yeah. So that was the, the, the premise, and then we, we went there. But then the guy actually had a, I think he had a stroke the day before, oh. or the t- couple of days before. Oh. So we had to get someone else. And, and this guy, I mean, he was he was cool and all, but he wasn't used to doing that kind of hypno- hyp- hypnosis. Uh, okay. So it, I, I definitely felt the effects of it, and I got, I got really heavy, but I wasn't in a, in a state of mind where I, I was completely unaware of my surroundings, um, and I don't think anyone else was too. Okay. So, you know, it, you know, but I think they got something really great out of it, and I, I kind of like that it's that it has that the part where I just go like, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I can't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really I, funny. I, I, yeah. I can't keep up this charade, because he was asking me to do silly things that I would feel embarrassed about mm. and so mm-hmm. I, I kind of just I kind of blew his, his cover you know <laughs> yeah oh yeah because you're still yourself right when you're being giving suggestions yeah I mean I think that you know if it really works well you can I mean he can make you do anything and you won't remember, you don't you don't even remember you're completely unaware you know we were all really uh, kind of nervous about it uh, and mm-hmm. I as I remember as the the kind of effect of it kicked in I felt myself getting really heavy I was like oh my god am I going to disappear now will I even be the same person when I come out of it you know yeah. but uh, but I didn't get we didn't go that we, we didn't get that deep with it unfortunately I would have liked to to have tried that you know but uh, maybe some other time yeah so you would be up for doing it again? Yeah, I think it's it's very fascinating, definitely. But let's talk about 
the video itself. Uh, there is a making of video, which I think we can we can touch upon a little bit after. But the video itself, the piece itself, uh, I don't know if one of you wants to to introduce it a little bit. Tell us what's going on here. Right. So there are two versions of the video: a short and a long one. Uh, I guess we'll focus on the long one because that has everything <laughs> that we need to talk about. And um, so it's set in a big mansion in in Denmark. I'm guessing uh, it's a uh, is a hypnotist and the band uh, and a no lady uh, that can be seen in the video. Uh, the man is trying to hypnotize everyone in the band. Uh, they seem to struggle in the beginning. Jonas is clearly failing at being hypnotized as being quite. Yeah, he seems he seems a bit like resistant to it, right? Yeah, it's, it's the impression. And it's I bit, get, it seems anyway. a bit an- annoyed by not uh, being being able to going under his you know, into his trance. And um Cena's just diving like he's just out of <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. I'm actually watching the video again right now and it's <laughs> Yeah. Poor Jonas, like he really wants to be hypnotized and he's like, I can't yeah, guys, yeah, I can't. I can't. <laughs> uh, and then uh, after a little while they all go into a trance it it seems like and then the music starts, the song plays and you know, everything breaks loose, kind of. It seems like I'm just, it's so funny because they're all like acting in the video. <laughs> and it's so funny because they're like crying and crawling around on the floor. And it's like, it's raining or something inside. They're all wet. All I think sudden, they're, they're and... supposed to be like dripping sweat. They've been just like totally yeah, taken maybe, over yeah. by their music and they're just. But they're, they're soaked in <laughs> yeah. sweat. It's like. The, um, yeah, there's some really great shots of Bo just like crying his eyes out. <laughs> it's so funny. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, it's 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 that uncanny. There's some uncanny valley in between where like they're definitely not acting. They're trying to be hypnotized, and then like they start intercutting with them supposedly in some sort of trance where they're like air guitaring along to the song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like they see us as like air drumming, and like there's some th- stuff going on, and like is that real? Is that not real? And then by the end, it's just full classic artistic music video with like the old lady that's growing this huge light bubble with insects inside or something, like very mm-hmm. classic Mew imagery, and like the band members being all dramatic singing along to the song whilst they're covered in sweat, and like lights are flickering everywhere, and like a TV is on there with Jonas's face in the flickering, and like yeah, yeah, there's definitely a lot of imagery in there as well. That's supposedly like it's like hypno hypnosis uh, imagery right the 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 what you call it the the flickering on the telly on the television mm-hmm. that's yeah, like static, a thing yeah. like a white noise static mm-hmm. yeah that supposedly i guess it's also something you can use to like get into that sort of trance and um yeah so it's it's just filled with a lot of that sort of mystery so like when you talked about it there i'm like yeah it just seems like they're they're falling into their own world, like into their Mew universe of mm-hmm. of all these mysterious imagery that's kind of like, I want to say Victorian, like the house is a bit Victorian. Yeah, it has that feel. And they're all dressed in yeah. like um, very formal clothing. Yeah. So they yeah. look like they're from another time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they've a lot of their imagery that they've used on Fringers and Kites as well 
always gave me that sort of Victorian era feel. Mm-hmm. Like there's some sort of aesthetic there that yeah has been they've they've been attracted to, and then it's kind of brought back in repeater beater. Mm-hmm. And that hypnotist as well, like he has the hypnotist oh, yeah, has a very uh, specific look. He looks like Colonel Sanders to me. Oh my god! Thank oh, yeah. you for saying yeah. that. <laughs> he does. Yeah, because he really, really does. It's interesting when we start talking about colors and like we start to dissect it a bit here. He's in all white, and so is the lady in the back, mm-hmm. but they're all in black. Yeah. And it's really interesting too. This is a subtle detail, but if you look at the hypnotist's face, he's got something sort of like grayish yeah. black smeared over his cheeks. And yeah, I don't I know what that. that's supposed to represent, but it's very obvious. You can see it. Yeah. And when you look at the behind the scenes video, he's still got it on his face in that. Yeah, I wonder if it's part of the the actual hypnosis that he has something on his cheek for to focus on or something. I don't know anything about <laughs> I don't like, know either. Maybe it's a technique. I don't know, because I, I kinda my general feeling on that is that if you're trying to hypnotize someone um, and you're telling them to, you know, like in the music video, he's, he's the hypnotist is, to look, is telling Jonas to look at the stick. In the peripheral vision, you know, you'll see the smear on his face and you can't really, I guess, focus on the stick because there's something on someone's face, right? So I'm not sure if that is uh i don't think it's a technique of sorts i kind of feel like it's more of a symbolism of distraction the reason why i kind of say that as well is because if you watch the video uh jonas is laying down on you know that that tufted couch with a a towel over his eyes and after being frustrated of not being able to be hypnotized, whereas everyone else seemed to not have an issue with it, he starts singing, and it sounds like he's kind of venting a bit, um, you know, kind of like a conversation to someone, um, you know, just, you know, sometimes I've just got nothing to say, you know, I don't have anything to sing about, um, that makes me lie awake. Um, or well, like they, they play a bit into the lyrics there, mm-hmm. like yeah. right. the so lyrics. It's, yeah. it's, right. So he's kind of, because it's just him singing, obviously, you know, Jonas is the singer of the song, but you know, it's, it's just kind of showing Jonas having this distraction, whereas everyone else seems to be perfectly, you know, able to be hypnotized. So it's very possible that Jonas is using these lyrics to, to kind of vent a bit to whoever, the reason why he can't be hypnotized is because he's distracted by what he's talking about in the lyrics. Does that make sense? Yeah. I guess. Um, You know, what I was going to mention before was that, um, you know, I've talked to people about being hypnotized because I am not a, I'm a very skeptical person. You know, I don't believe in spirits or ghosts or anything supernatural, nothing of the sort. So what I've been told is how hypnosis works is it's not necessarily a spell. It's more like you have to be Mm open-minded to receive it. Yeah. So if you do have a skeptical uh, mind or if you do have a distracted mind, you know, you're not going to be able to receive the purpose of what hypnosis is trying to do. Very much like meditation, right? You know, meditation is a discipline. You know, you can't just sit there and expect that no thoughts kind of fly through. It doesn't work that way, you know, so you're not going to be able to enter that meditative state if you choose to acknowledge all of these different thoughts that enter your head. Moreover, meditation works 
if you understand and accept that those thoughts are going to come in and you know how to handle them when they come in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why hypnosis might not work for someone yeah. for this very same reason. Uh, because Jonas can't concentrate because of, you know, these these things that he's singing about. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I, I actually want to add something to that. Uh, based on a conversation I had with him one time, we were talking about meditation. And he said that he has trouble meditating when he's by himself. Like, if he's in a group setting, he can meditate just fine. Like, I know he's taken um, transcendental meditation classes before. And he was able to meditate in that setting. But when he's by himself, he's just too distracted. And he's not able to do it. Um yeah. And that that follows very closely with what you were just saying. I've I've seen quite a lot of Darren Brown, right? The mind magician or what we should call him. And like yeah. he talks a lot about the suggest- suggestion you have to be open to be su- to suggestions. He can't not mm-hmm. make someone do something they do not want to do. Mm-hmm. And um so you have to be willing to accept or to like a loss of control. And uh, like I, I think I've talked about this before, haven't I? Yeah. Like I've told the story of like yeah. me and Maria sitting in the show, yeah. and like she's just in it, and I'm like, no, <laughs> like I can just feel deep down, like I, I do not want to let go of that, like that's mine, and mm-hmm. so hence it will just not work on me. I will just not have that experience. Right. And um, but like he always talks about like um, how he does things, how he primes people, and how he conditions. Like he he conditions people to to get to a place where he can get them to do the things he wants, right? Like basically, it's like reprogramming people a bit. So it, it's obviously a technique and like a lot of practice and training and being able to read and cold read people. Uh, so there's a lot to it in that fashion. Before we started recording here, I tried to hypnotize myself through a youtube video uh but <laughs> the best i'm like way of doing it <laughs> yeah definitely the best way if i i'm like you heather i'm very skeptical i don't believe in anything basically mm-hmm. so i was all the time i was thinking it's not gonna work i don't feel anything uh f- the purpose of the video was to forget my own name for a short while but because he kept reminding me that soon you will forget your own name i was like no, nope, my name is Odva. My name is Odva. Exactly. I'm not going to forget yeah. it. So it it mm-hmm. just didn't work for me. Even though I tried to open my my mind, I tried to like fall deeper into it. I tried to like let my head drop and like relax as much as I could, but I just didn't get into it. So yeah, I, I, I also to. did that uh, hypnosis uh, video that you mentioned, and I found it to be very relaxing. It put me into a meditative state. But I also mm-hmm. did not get anywhere close to forgetting my name. So, I mean, I don't know how good that video is uh, uh, an indicator of whether I can be hypnotized or not, because I've never been hypnotized. Um, but I consider myself a very open-minded skeptic. So I, I'm skeptical of something until it's proven to be otherwise. Um, That's funny. Right. I'm not skeptical, not in this sense. Like, I don't believe in the paranormal per se, but I don't consider hypnosis paranormal like no i, I don't no, really either, no no but... no obviously okay. not i'm just i i think i was just kind of using that as an example of you know i am a very touch person you know if i could see it if i could feel it it's real everything else is susceptible yeah. to 
you know, not exist. So people are really hell bent on, you know, seeing or feeling spirits or, uh, you know, um, you know, I, I think hypnotism is very, I guess, hokey. And I think that's because when, when we imagine hypnotism, we, we think about how it's portrayed in like movies, TV shows. You got, you know, a little pocket watch that's dangling in front of your face and then someone's eyes just go round and round and round until they fall oh, asleep. Yeah. You know, that's, that's mm-hmm. what, that's what hypnotism. Nothing to do with reality. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. So that, that's kind of, that's kind of what I mean by, you know, that's why I, I kind of use that, uh, in conjunction with, you know, me saying I'm skeptical, I don't believe in paranormal, I don't believe in hypnotism, I don't believe in any of these things. Um, but see, that's that's where I think it differs. It's I do believe in hip, like hip. I don't believe it's something you cannot believe in. You can oh, uh, be not accepting right. someone else to yeah. take that control. I agree about that. Yeah. So from the the Mayo Clinic says hypnosis. Also referred to hypnotherapy or hypnotic suggestion is a trance-like state in which you have heightened focus and concentration. Hypnosis is usually done with the help of a therapist using verbal repetition and mental images. When you're under hypnosis, you usually feel calm and relaxed and are more open to suggestions. Hypnosis can be used to help you gain control over undesired behaviors or to help you cope better with anxiety or pain. It's important to know that although you're more open to suggestion during hypnosis, you don't lose control over your behavior. Exactly. So this is what I was saying before is is that, you know, at large, we understand hypnosis to be this hokey thing where, you know, someone says, you know, okay, you're now a chicken and someone goes, bark, 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 bark. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, that's what people think hypnosis is yeah. and it isn't. I remember when I was a kid, I saw a TV show by Paul McKenna. He's a famous British hypnotist. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Paul McKenna. Thank you very much. Good evening and welcome to the hypnotic world. While we've been away, I've had a lot of letters from people asking if hypnosis can be used to increase someone's chances with the opposite sex. And I was actually going to say a few words about that at the end of the programme till I realised that it would make me late for my date with Cindy Crawford. <laughs> there were some rumours like that he actually made people go into a trance that lasted for years and stuff. I remember reading like articles about people uh, suing him or something because they got into a, a state of hypnosis that lasted like forever, basically. Uh, and it felt very fishy and I don't believe it, that stuff. But I believe it, that people can get, you know, you can get hypnotized the way that, that you said, Thomas, like. Exactly. And what, what you don't see on telly is that they might have had 50 people in yeah. and like they had to discard right. pretty much all of mm-hmm. them because it turned out there was only a couple that was actually suggestible and they had to pick the best one for telly appearance You're right yeah right yeah. so like it's 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 not something everyone can do and like not in that extreme way that now you're a chicken like that's but yeah. we got on a, off on a tangent there we we're talking about the music video well <laughs> hypnosis i mean people can be like uh, convinced to stop smoking or to lose weight or you know drop a bad habit of of some sort mm-hmm. just by being open to suggestion it does work for some people but other people it doesn't work mm-hmm. at all 
I mean, it worked for Dexter in Dexter's lab when, you know, that uh, that tape kept uh, repeating omelette du fromage. What? You guys remember yeah. that? No, I've you know, never like seen that. You know, like, yeah, subliminal messages. And he just wore, like, the headphones all night to study for his French exam. Cheese mm. omelette? Yeah. Omelette du fromage. <laughs> Omelette du fromage. Omelette du fromage. Omelette du fromage. Morning, Dexter. Omelette du fromage. One thing that's different between the music video and the actual song is that when they sing Show Me Something Good, they cut the song away in the video and have them sitting in a circle, waving their hands in the air, singing the line. It's interesting that they integrate the song in that way and I know they do it a bit with Beach as well that they break up the mm-hmm. song with the video but yeah. it, 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 I don't f- ah, that's a lie they also do it a little bit on MRI like there's they've done it on other videos mm. as well yeah uh, it's an artistic uh, choice I guess yeah but I, I'm, in this specific instance I'm just thinking they're really like they're really attempting to put the song and the video and the, like the whole hypnosis session together in a way that I don't usually see artists trying to mix video and music together. Right. Like it's almost like the lyrics are a script. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I feel like a lot of music videos that are usually being made or was made back in the day are, are more like this is how the director interpreted mm-hmm. the song less than the musician had an concept for the song itself and that should be represented in the video like i feel like that's rarer like that's more rare to see so like there's some sort of bigger artistic direction behind it so i I don't think it was just a funny idea they just had about the song that they wanted to be hypnotized to it i think it's part of the song's identity i guess is what I'm, i'm getting at I think it's interesting, too, that the hypnotist, the last thing he says before the song starts is, think about love. And then Jonas says, I like the, the wind in the trees. Think and the about song love is about and springtime. Yeah, love and springtime. Right. And, and the lyrics are about love. Well, or suggest he, he actually love. just says, I like the sound of the trees. Right, right. And you hear them in the very beginning of the video. You also hear it in introducing Palace Players and Beach, I want to mention. You hear the wind in the very start of the video. But I mean, I guess like all I really wanted to kind of point out was that, you know, Jonas is having a difficulty... Uh, getting into that hypnotic state and the hypnotist is trying to suggest ways of trying to get him there. And the last thing he says is uh, to think about love. And then Jonas starts talking or I guess singing about love while laying on the couch. So the hypnotist is trying to say, think about love to bring you into the hypnotic state. However, Jonas is singing about love because that is what's, keeping him from entering that hypnotic state. 
I feel like that line about love and, and and like the wind in the trees. I feel like that's planted. Yeah, very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but it's so hard to know, right? Was that I was that line said first, and then they were like, "We're gonna play with the wind in all videos," or were they playing with the idea that all these videos should feature this wind element? And then Jonas mentions it in the video as like another way of building on whatever theme they're trying to get. Well, I mean, like, you know, you see a lot of songs on this album that deal, you know, that that at least have nature in their title, New Terrain, being Earth or Beach or Hawaii Dream, Mm. Hawaii, you know, so you have that nature elements, you know, Um, so... And this song is kind of keeping consistent with the theme of of bringing nature into it, especially if you're pointing out the connections with the wind in the trees on, you know, other music videos. Has there ever been anything that's like you felt related to the song or things that have like inspired, like made you think of Repeater Beater? I don't know, Anne, do you have any like recommendations in that way? Well, the whole idea of repetition always makes me think of Twin Peaks. I, I just yeah, immediately yeah. think of the giant from Cooper's Dream being on the stage mm-hmm. and saying to him, It is happening again. It, it is, is happening, happening again. again. It is happening again. And... uh the so whole horrifying. series, like spoilers, the whole series is basically about a time loop that can't be broken. So awesome! Uh, <laughs> that's the repetition. Stuff. Good yeah. stuff. I was vaguely interested in watching the show. How do you watch it anyway? You have to go to this dodgy shop and like back <laughs> You have to go to the New dark York, web, and you have to ask for <laughs> Marie. <laughs> Don't ask questions. Just ask for Marie, and you'll be taken yeah. to a back room where you then have to scour through, and then you might find a DVD cover that says Two Peaks," but that's a cover. You have to open that, and inside there, there's a code. Elite. Never mind. <laughs> Next. <laughs> uh, my recommendation is a song called "Cat Fantastic" by This Town Needs Guns. Um, reason for it is there is a, and I'll get into this later. Uh, I have a headache thinking about it already, but there's constant time signature changes throughout the entire song, and that's what's happening in this song too. So it makes me think of that. also reminds me of what i've done by lincoln park because if you listen to the piano in the beginning of what i've done and the piano part in the second verse of repeater beater it it's in the same key and it kind of has the same like arpeggiated notes Right. Um, my recommendation is the comedy classic Groundhog Day with uh, Bill Murray and uh, Andy McDowell from 1993. Have you guys seen it? 
Yes. I've probably seen it oh, like 300 time times. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. So many times yeah. I can repeat the whole thing verbatim. That's yep. very funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's one of my favorite uh, comedy movies. Uh, it holds up really well, I think. And yeah, so the plot, if you don't know, is a Groundhog Day. It's about a day repeating over and over again. He's caught in a loop. Basically, he wakes up to the same song by uh, Sonny and Cher every day. And he meets the same people. And he's trying to figure out how to get out of that, that loop. So Yeah, it's cool. And it's kind of yeah. like inspired a whole bunch of other things to like do a similar sort of... Uh, to, to include that sort of mentality in their episodes or series or whatever. Mm. Like, there was um, an X-Files episode that was repetition very much like that. Right. Uh, uh, that was a Tom Cruise movie? Edge of Tomorrow? Yeah, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, that's also kind of similar in that way. Even though it's a very different movie, it's you know, has the same kind of theme of repetition, of mm-hmm. everything repeating itself. After you die, then you wake up again and, yeah. And we're kind of like living through that right now in this uh, like lockdown. Yeah. Every day feels like the day before. Yeah. Yeah, kind of does. Yeah. It repeats itself. 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 Which brings us to the title, Repeater Beater. It's always been an intriguing title to me. It was always the most interesting title on the album when I didn't know any of the songs and I had no no idea what they sounded like or what they were about. There was just something about Repeater Beater to me that was inherently interesting and made it seem very much like something that could be a single or, you know, it, it's... It had a cool sound. It's just fun to say. It's it's a simple way of saying it. I don't know. Yeah, it's fun to say. I don't know how you you guys uh, have approached this and what your your thoughts about. Well, I feel like it's very obviously some type of obsessive or uncontrollable thought pattern that you can't escape from. That's just as simple as I can put it. Yeah, it's it's obvious uh, wordplay as well. You know, it rhymes repeater, beater, and it works apparently in Danish as well as English. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know, Anne, you found this little song meanings quote by a supposedly Danish guy called uh, calling himself Lesses Sen. But before we go into that, I think I know this guy. Like I've met him a He's bunch of times. He? He's Lasse. Is... Yeah, that's that's the Lasse oh. we all know. <laughs> oh. Okay. 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 I I knew I knew that name. Yeah, cool. It's... I think I'm friends with him on Facebook. I'm sure you are. He's friends with most friendsers on Facebook. Okay. He writes on song meanings that in Danish a drummer is called a trommeslayer or the drum beater, while the word repeat is called gentaya. And uh, because the drums have so little variations throughout the song compared to other Mew songs, someone might have joked while they practiced it that Silas wasn't a Tromislayer, but a Gintea Slayer, since he just kept repeating the same rhythm in that song. Then, of course, Gintea Slayer was translated to Repeater Beater. Mm-hmm. Which I think is really cool. Yeah, it makes uh, sense. It totally makes and sense. Does it hold water? Definitely mm. inaccurate. 
<laughs> Is it I'll inaccurate? It. Or? Yeah, no, inaccurate, inaccurate. Okay, okay. Well, I will get into that. In sorry, Lesson. <laughs> But it is an interesting because it is a funny word like repeater beater. Yeah. But yeah, I think he's reaching a little bit. I mean, no, no, no. The explanation makes total sense for sure. No, yeah, it makes sense. But I feel like he's kind of Gintea Slater. I mean, I don't play music and not especially not drums, so I don't know if that's just something, some joke into <laughs> like internal joke drummers have. But yeah, and take it away. Sometimes I've got nothing to say, nothing to sing about that makes you lie awake. Sometimes I've got nothing to do, nothing to signal out when I can't be with you. How should I hold this girlfriend as tight as I ever could? Now why should I? No reason why. You wore me down. Worse did I show? Show me something good. Show me something Sometimes I am nowhere to be found. If it is just a bed, then why the ringing sound? Sometimes we've got nowhere to be, nothing to talk about, and nothing to agree on. How should I hold this girlfriend, as tight as I ever could? Now why should I? No reason why. You wore me down, worse did I show? How should I hold this girlfriend, as tight as I ever could? Now why should I? No reason why. You wore me down, worse did I show. One year ago, we received an email from a listener called Elias Castillo. He sent us his analysis of the No More Stories album. We wanted to feature it on the special episode that we made, but unfortunately we got it too late to put it on there. But I told him that we'll use his analysis for each song that we have left. And about Repeated Beater, he said, Self-empowerment comes through this track. About Jonas's emptiness and nervousness when he finds no meaning in life besides the relationship with this girl. The chorus to me is about having had enough with the situation and analyzing his relationship. Why should he stick with this girl? No reason why. Jonas is struggling to understand what is going on at all. And he always seems to find himself showing appreciation for the girl. Right, so do you agree with Elias here? Feel like that's the surface level reading yeah, right there. Right. right. The surface level reading is he's burned out from a relationship and he doesn't know why he should remain in the relationship. He's looking for a reason yeah. to stay and he can't really find one. Yeah, and to get back to the title again, repeat a beta. I guess, you know, you could see the title in two ways. It's both related to the way the song is played, it repeats itself all the time. And also how he's stuck in the relationship, he can't get out of it. Mm-hmm. So it's both a wordplay and also like a double meaning here. Um, I don't have any like really deep meaning, but I just want to point out the line. Uh, if it is just a bed, then why the ringing sound? Yeah. This line has haunted me like ever since I first heard it. And mm-hmm. I, I is one of those ones that I, I spend a lot of time thinking about over the years. And what I've come up with is it's... If you think about the condition called tinnitus or tinnitus, depending on how you pronounce it, it's after an exposure to some type of loud sound, um, the cells in your ears die and you start to hear a ringing sound. And usually 
it's uh it's ongoing it, it never stops but during the day you probably don't notice it as much because you're hearing all kinds of other sounds and it's at night or when things are quiet that you start to notice this ringing sound so if you think about their bed being a very quiet place like they're not talking to each other they're not being romantic it's just completely quiet that's when you're hearing yeah. this ringing and it <laughs> i i it's started kind to of like that yeah, it's kind of like that, uh, you know, like the silence is deafening. Yeah, exactly. And after I personally developed a mild case of uh, tinnitus because I went to a Mew concert with no earplugs, oopsies, mm-hmm. um, I was like, oh, okay, now I can actually kind of relate to this. <laughs> yeah, I have the same issue, kind of mild uh, case of tinnitus, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm pulling a straw now because the song is separated by show me something good, show me something. Is there a relation there? Am I trying to grasp at straws? Is the second verse supposed to be better? Supposed to be different? So my take on the separation of show me something good and show me something is um, it kind of reminds me of a time when I I was dating someone and uh, our relationship got rather stagnant. And from his point of view, you know, I wasn't really emitting any emotion towards him. Um, so he had admitted to literally starting fights with me just to pull out some emotion out of me. I think that's dead wrong. But regardless, this was how he saw it in, in his head. So, you know, show me something good. Just show me something. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. because the lines talk about, you know, this... I guess, contention of, you know, the stalemate of, you know, we don't have anything to talk about. We don't have anything to agree upon. We got nowhere to be, nothing to do, nothing to say, you know, so it's that very stale, stagnant, kind of just existing. Mm. Um, So it's kind of like a beckoning, you know, like, just show me something good. Obviously, you want something good. You want something to be you know, pleasurable and beneficial. But if you can't get something good, just show me something. Because, you know, I mean, I hate to quote a Bible verse, but, you know, the Bible even says, you know, like, you know, either be hot or cold, you know, if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's it's better to be one or the other, not in between. Okay. Huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Either, either hate each other or love each other, but don't be in the middle, like, just treading water. It's also interesting how he sings that line, like, show me something good, then he said, uh, show me something, thing. thing. It's repeating. Like, it. yeah. 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 This song, I really wanted the lyrics to be kind of really plain and um, sort of just a, an observation of this state of mind where you, you're in company and you can't think of anything to talk about or say. And even though you have a connection somehow, it's kind of disappears you know it fades out heather i think it's your turn to maybe tell us what's going on in the background heather's music review yeah so i think we can all agree that by now you know this song is definitely it's got power comes out with you know guns blazing it's got tons of personality um, and like I said at the beginning of the episode, this is probably, you know, probably if if anything, my number one song that I would introduce to someone who's new to their music. Um, it sounds to me at least normal enough for it to be palatable 
and, you know, appealing to, you know, normal ears. Um, but it's definitely, undeniably, it's absolutely Mew, right? Um, I think this song is something completely otherworldly. You know, it slips from time signature to time signature, you know, really effortlessly to the point where I never, I guess I never really realized it until I, I sat down with it and... I know you guys saw on the Facebook track, like, I was having a full-scale meltdown. Like, I was all caps. Like, I was <laughs> yeah. freaking out. I was like, I hate music theory. I'm done with this. I almost quit. <laughs> Definitely mm-hmm. almost quit. Um, and I mean, like, you know, you you listen to the song and you know that there's something, there's a little drum accent in the middle that kind of throws off the feeling a little bit. Um, but still sounds, you know, very, you know, like the, the tempo is still the same. It's not very obvious that something has changed, but it absolutely has. So throughout the song, like I said, there's tons of time signature switches. Um, you know, you got, and I mean, it's like, it's like every measure is, is a new signature and I can't seem to find a pattern whatsoever. And it's been driving me insane. Um, so, I mean, you know, and, and this is very common for bands to do, uh, you know, in, in, in the rock genre is to, you know, kind of add a quick time signature change. And a, a good example of that is Heya by Outkast. I know they're not rock. I know that. Um, but in the chorus, you know, you got one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. So you see how there's like a very quick measure of six in there before it goes back into four four right like it's you know that something changed but you know you don't it's not very impactful right yeah it's a subtle thing but you can definitely yeah, feel it's a very it. subtle thing because mm-hmm. it's very quick because it's just one measure where they just you know they they just switched really quickly um but then you have other songs like the song that i i used from my recommended uh you know which is you know cat fantastic by this town needs guns um where it's like literally every measure is another time signature. And that, uh, there's a subgenre of progressive, which is math rock, because you have to sit down and do math. So yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's cute. So that's what Cat Fantastic would be, uh, they would be categorized as. Uh, Mute Math, I think, is another math rock yeah. uh, band, if you guys are familiar with Mute Math. Mm-hmm. Anyway. You know, like like I said before, you know, this song has tons of time signatures. I've spent a lot of time trying to work it out and going so what's through your, it. What, what's your take on it then? Um, I don't know because, and and I'm gonna put it in the show notes for for anyone that wants to, you know, maybe take a look and reference it. Um, you know, any any guys that any, any of you out there that play music, interested in time signatures, stuff like that. Um, it's not a pattern. And that's what drives me crazy is is that usually you want a pattern. If you're going to do a time signature change, you want to have a pattern so that, you know, your band members can remember, you know, the rhythm as they're playing. Yeah. But when I sit down with it and I try to figure this out, it is literally random. Like they just kind of threw some numbers in in a hat and Jonas picks one out. It's like, okay, this measure is going to be this time signature. All right, let's pull a number, another number. Like there's no, there's no consistency. I mean, I even sat down with Nick Salicito, who is uh, a musician from the band The Deer Hunter, uh, and we had a video conference uh, a couple of days ago, and I was like, dude, listen to the song, please help me out. 
And he couldn't ascertain the time signatures right away either. He was like, listen, I'd have to sit down with this for a couple of days. But first listen, it sounds completely random. And I can really, I can't really believe that Jonas would. So either he actually did it at random or there's a pattern that I'm massively missing. Um, the only thing that I was able to definitely ascertain is that the chorus, the time signature in the chorus is in, uh, there's two measures of 6-4, a measure of 4-4, and then another measure of 6-4, and then it repeats. So it's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 1, 2, 3, 4, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and then repeat. Um, I'm sorry for the terrible singing. <laughs> I'm trying. That was great. Um, but when I looked this up, because I, I was trying to find something that might help me out, uh, there was a website that told me that this song was in 22-4. <laughs> and I was like, what? What even is 22-4? Like, what is this? Dream theater? What is this? Like, I, I was freaking <laughs> out. Oh, oh, my Lord. And when I had that conversation with Nick, I was like, dude. This website says this song is in 22-4. And he's like, listen, there is no time signature called 22-4. Like, there is, but it's mostly made up. It's just a very lazy way to count to 22 and, like, still be in rhythm. Mm. As opposed to kind of breaking it down further into 6-4-6-4-4-4-6-4. Instead, right. just count to 22. Okay. And he's like, you know, a lot of bands do this. Uh, to kind of sound more presumptuous and mm. snobby yeah. than they really are. It sounds impressive. Like, oh, this song is in 22-4. That would mean there's like 22 beats in a count of four. Right, exactly. Right? It's 22 beats. The the four, uh, you know, really quickly to kind of explain music theory is that a uh, a quarter note is is a four. Right. So it's emphasizing the the quarter note, right? So you got, you know, that one, two, three, four. That's a quarter note. So in the show notes, so just just because like explaining this, I mean, it's taking so much time for me to explain this already, and I don't mind. I don't mind. But I know people who might not be interested in the music theory are just like, oh my god, shut up. <laughs> so I'm gonna put what I found to be the time signature in the show notes. Um, but when you look at it, and guys, you could do this later, basically in that, you know, that that tempo that you tap your foot to, just count to that first number that I listed, right? So, you know, the first verse I put, it's, you know, there's there's six, four, right? And then I put seven, four times two, which means you count seven, four twice. Time signatures, as I've learned in my conversation with Nick, is that you you can't really be wrong unless, you know, you're looking at a piece of sheet music and, you know, the time signature is very clearly there. But when you're listening to a piece of music and, you know, you have something like this where you're trying to just use your ear and use your feeling to try to figure out what the time signatures are, they're mostly subjective. There's definitely a way to be mathematically wrong right like you know if something is in a four four time and you count to five it's gonna throw the entire counting i mean off. i guess you've definitely counted 60 beats so if you're not yeah. even 60 there's something wrong or you're not in the right tempo yeah precisely yeah yeah yeah. so if i were to so you know again i'm I'm referring to stuff that's in the first and in, in the show notes but if i were to change any of these numbers in here to 
let's just say, you know, this this first time that I noted as 6-4. If you change that to 5-4, that's now going to bring this down to 59 beats and you're going to be missing one beat. So, I mean, really, you can literally just, instead of doing this whole time signature counting, you could just count to 60 and then you'll be brought to the chorus. But because of the feeling in the song, the way, you know, the drums are accented, you know, at certain points, the way Jonas sings, you know, another line in the song, you know, that's kind of where a new time signature is indicated. So is this a difficult way of saying it's very hard to replicate? I'm impressed that they can remember this. <laughs> so I was thinking <laughs> what, I, what I really mean. There's no I don't believe there is an existing version of this song that's like acoustic like this doesn't have the witness treatment where there's an acoustic beautiful slow version. Yeah, I mean like you know they they definitely could. I mean, I was playing the song on piano earlier just kind of, you know, like fussing around and you know they play this live and they played this live multiple times so it's not impossible to replicate performing but i guess my i'm highly impressed that with the seemingly random time signatures to it it's not like anything repeats right you know like if, if you look at the the, the time signature <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> if you look at the time signatures that i i listed in the first verse as opposed to the second verse they they don't they don't make sense and i mean i'm looking at like are they are they trying to play time signatures in a Fibonacci sequence? Like you know, one like plus it. one plus two plus three plus five, whatever. Yeah, I'm like, it, what is happening? Like there there has to be a pattern, and I cannot find one. So if I have the opportunity to speak to Jonas, I swear I'm going to ask him this because this is going to drive me nuts until someone figures it out for me. So my take on like math rock and all that stuff is like it sounds more impressive than it actually is. Kind of because yeah. when it's written out, it looks impressive because it seems so random. But, you yeah. know, when you play it, it, it just feels natural. You know, it doesn't feel like it's that complicated. I mean, you have to re- right. remember a certain pattern, obviously. But when you play it, it's like when you practice, you get into it. And I listen to a lot of, you know, rock bands that are quite, you know, complex like that, like Tool or Meshuga or like yeah. different metal bands. And, um, you know, when they play it, it seems so effortless because it because they just have practiced and remember it's like in their in their bones kind of and when i try to listen to it uh, repeatedly beaten yeah and when i when i listen to it peter beatered in their head yeah and when i when i listen to it i i I know i remember it as well because i've listened to it so much and you don't you just have to uh, listen to it a lot and then you'll get into it you don't need to like uh, learn music theory or no you don't like you Precisely. You know, when you when you sing a song enough, you know, you you don't have to know music theory in order to, you know, know when a line is coming in. Like you learn that. Yeah. So my initial thought is why is it done this way? Exactly. And now I'm I thinking <laughs> It sounds cool. Let me let me take this theory because you're making it sound like, yeah. yeah, it's very once you get into it, it's like it can be easy to learn a song and then it just comes natural. Great. So why are they making it so difficult? And now I can't help but think about the theme of hypnosis and of uncertainty and like maybe are they trying to replicate this feeling in the music that you cannot for certain feel it? Do you are you following me? 
like they're trying to make you feel that on sub on a subconscious level that this, you don't really know the structure, hence why it makes you feel a bit off. Possibly, is that yeah? But I feel like when I you know Silas, I, I, I get what you're getting at. Yeah, but when you know Silas as a drummer, he doesn't like to play simple four fours all the way through. He always likes to mix it up. Uh, he does that with a you know with a, such a straightforward song like this or other songs as well. Uh, drummers like to you know play around and make things more interesting. And you know, you make music their own way, and they always try to be uh, interesting and different. And I think that's just the way they do it, and they've found the way to do it. And it might be related to, as you said, you know, to the theme of the song. There might be some relations there, but it could also just be like, "This is how we play music." Like, I can't help but think I that just think they're it's making too it with a purpose, right? They made the yeah. song with a purpose, and hypnosis seems to be a big theme. I don't know how many of you have noticed how there's this little monotone sound that then raises in pitch and mm-hmm. drops in pitch. Like, yeah, boom, in the chorus. Boom, boom. Oh, yeah. It, it's Going in there. And I never really like paid close attention to it. But now that you say that, I'm like, yeah, of course I hear yeah. that. And it starts in the how should I line. Like, I always kind of had this feeling like that sounded like it was almost recorded backwards and played forwards. Like it has that, that sort of like uneasy feeling to it. Mm. So again, there seems to be a, an instrumental theme of hypnosis. And that's also why I was really curious about the lyrics having more, like maybe lyrics are just the cream on top of the cake. Right, they're not really supposed to be anything but sweet sugar, like something easy to consume. Whilst all the underlying layers seem to suggest some sort of uncertainty, or it's trying to condition, or like Pablo's dogs trick something, and that's where I, I can't help but like. There's a lot of scrambling going on mm, in the song, yeah. which could maybe create this uncertainty and like you trying to explain how to count in the bloody song like counting is maybe the most basic music thing there's like the first thing that my my piano book teaches is like this is how you count great (laughs) like it's not necessarily advanced but they seem to mess with it is what you're telling me because i would i couldn't be able to tell you if uh, how they would count it yeah, so I mean, I and I think I, I get what you're getting at here is that you know they're they're using every element that they can, you know, in the song to represent this kind of hypnotic feeling, um, and one of the ways that they can incorporate that element is using time signature, and while you know it might make sense to use a repeated theme you know, like a very droning beat to kind of express musically hypnosis. Conversely, what they're doing is is using uncertain random patterns that kind of, I guess, represent that uncertainty, that uh, inability to enter that hypnotic state to represent distracting I thoughts. I want to say deprogramming. Yeah. Which is also a, a concept within that sort of mental man- manipulation manipulation makes it sound really bad but like, I mean part of the idea is to break the patterns of your mind so that new fo- new patterns can form right so again the sort of scrambling deprogramming 
like I just can't help but th- see all these things now in this song specifically with all this explained. Yeah, no, it definitely absolutely makes sense. Um, you know, you could look at it that way as well, that, you know, we're very all used to a song being in a standard 4-4 four, four time where, you know, you can count to four repeatedly over and over and over in like every single song until you come across this where it's just very all over the place and you can use that to reflect, you know, these, you know, breaking of of patterns deep in the subconscious, breaking the patterns that we know and replace them with new ones. Like they, they were something um, now hitting me. Like they talk talked a lot about it when they were talking about the album and how it's different from the previous ones. Like they didn't like labels. They just see themselves as a pop music band, but they're trying to do something extra, something more. And as we as we we played a little clip in the No More Stories special, where. Um, Bo is is talking about how uh, he says some line about like pop music and like being very like radio friendly and very easily digestible and they're trying to do something more than that and like this song seems to be like the clear obvious thing to point to and be like try and figure out what that's what the hell's going on in the mix because the instruments are doing their own thing in a pace that's not discernible so yeah so it's pop music deprogrammed and or they're trying to deprogram us the listener so that i guess we can we'll be able to approach the rest of the album because it's also very early on in the album and we see the same sort of unevenness and like introducing palace players from the very Mm get-go yeah so are you starting to follow where i'm where i'm starting to see this sort of pattern and it's not just this song like, it seems like everything is decrypting. One of the reasons that I had such a hard time getting into this album as a whole is because the whole thing left me unsettled in the same sort of way. And it because I had to like form new connections in my brain to how the music made me feel, that was really challenging. And it's maybe because my brain was trying to do all of this rhythm math that wasn't working out. <laughs> That's exactly what I think is what people get from this if you just listen to it the first time. And again, in that same interview where Bo says this thing, they also talk about how when they had to compose music without a bass player, they they had to stop working with this wall of noise mm-hmm. that they used to work with. And obviously, you could say like they came from noise rock. They were very inspired by yeah. noise rock being with creates these huge soundscapes and they definitely had that in both fringers and kites yeah and now suddenly they sort of couldn't get there so they had to fill the void with other things and it seems like this sort of complicated structure and experimentation with there's the marimbas like playing these heavy rhythms is is sort of the repeating theme throughout all the songs now and and I guess repeater beater for that matter is why it's an important song. This song was also on the first EP, Introducing Palace Players and Repeater Beater. So again, mm-hmm. they put these two songs in front of the album for everyone to hear before the album. And I'm going to say be to prepare us for the complication of the full thing. Because imagine mm-hmm. not having, just getting the full thing is probably even more jaw, like mind bending or reject like you're just gonna reject it even harder 
deconstruction of pop music. Yeah. Which is like a, a, an artsy way of doing something, <laughs> isn't it? Oh, we're deconstructing pop music, but that's not what they've ever said about it. But that's kind of what they like meant. It sounds like a Lady like, Gaga album. But she's just straight pop, right? Yeah, no, it's basically. straight pop. But just yeah, a bit more provo- like a, a provocateur. It's, 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 yeah, a little bit on the more avant-garde, like if you thought of kind of a... She wore a meat dress, uh, so that's weird. That's she's she wore artiste. a meat dress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely artistic, but I, she's also very, very smart. I, I think Muse more about playing with form than than yeah. trying to provoke. Like they're yeah. rather oh, challenge yeah. you mentally, like your your understanding of music rather than without. Yeah, yeah. That's always how I've understood it. They want to challenge the listener without taking you so far from the pop sensibility that you can't mm-hmm. connect with it mm-hmm. and I'll, I feel like that's what repeater beater is and has always been to me and I think I'm just realizing it much more now that we've sort of deconstructed it completely or not maybe not even completely but like <laughs> that's what it's getting at right it's not trying to be anything fancy it's just trying to be a short three minute rock song that has a classic construction on the top with a, a an easy to a sing along to song, like it's very easy to sing along to compared to the yeah. rest. Yet, what's going on in the mix and the instrumentation is, yeah. Well, to your point, I think it's self-referential. You know, I don't really think the construction of the song, you know, lyrically or musically, rhythmically, anything of that sort, even down to the music video, I don't really think it has anything to do with trying to be provocative or. Um, you know, challenging for the listener or snobby, presumptuous, or pretentious, I feel like it's more of a challenge of self and trying to use as many elements in a song as they can at their disposal to create something, to state something, to communicate a feeling. And, you know, I've said it in other uh, episodes before that you know the you know uh, you know a song musically instrumentally can mimic or mirror the lyrics right you got you know sad sounding song you got sad sounding lyrics right or you've got you know the inverse where you know you might have uh, a, a happy beat happy music but you've got sad lyrics or you got happy lyrics and you've got a sad song you know so in that same fashion I think that they're they're taking everything that they can, the rhythm, the music, the lyrics, the music video, and trying to create a, a, a self-referential statement. Oh, there's so many things that are unwrapping now about this album. And I'm like, because there's also, I just can't help but think there's that disconnect of where the album feels like it's more positive, at least in comparison to Kites, right? It's lighter. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And like, yeah. Yep. Yet I always I've, I feel like I'm in the past when I've played it for people who weren't familiar. I have this memory of someone coming up and like, "Why are you playing the sad music?" <laughs> I, I, I never connected it to be specifically sad, like. But obviously the lyrics aren't obvious. Like, yeah, everything's great and lovely in all the songs, but like the the nature of the instruments used. I never felt were like angry or sad in that way, but 
I guess that's just the people again this idea that it's you cannot just tap into the music when you're not familiar with it because it does not allow you to. If, like yeah, Muse is not this, that band. At least not this album. I kind yeah. uh, like Fringers. I'd give you like some of the songs are just sad. <laughs> like there's yeah, like, that's just oh, how sure. how they play, and uh, but on this one. It's a lot more up in the air, and you you have to read it differently. And I think I'm personally starting to get to a point where maybe be able to read it more. And again, this whole I've never felt like I truly understood it, and maybe I, I thought I was too young. Now I'm starting to think maybe I just didn't know enough about music. <laughs> like, yeah, and I still well, don't. I mean, I guess that's kind of what what it comes down to with me, as we've talked about in you know yeah. other episodes, is is that you know you really don't get a full appreciation for the song until you sit down, you really look at the lyrics like poetry. You mm-hmm. know, if you remember your English classes in in school, you know, high school, college, whatever, you know, where you had to look at a stanza and really derive meaning. You know, it wasn't always there in your face. And I feel like a lot of muse, you know, music is the very same way. You know, you can't just kind of listen to it and be like, oh, that was a happy song. Oh, that was a sad song. Like you can get that on the surface. But as we've delved deeper into, you know, these episodes, into these songs, we're just like, holy shit, this is not a happy song, actually. But I also feel like Jonas isn't necessarily a poet or isn't trying to be in some cases. Like in this song, I don't think he was going for high poetry. I think it was no, more I'm of a collage on top. No, I'm, not, I'm not discussing no. it. No, no, no. I'm just saying like, I think sometimes, just like with Sigurus, we also mentioned this in Vaccine, right? That it seems more like a collage of words to go with a theme or a, a meaning or a feeling. Yeah, but I guess this is also our wrap-up thoughts and opinions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. so, your last final thoughts here. Give me your tweet-long final thoughts. Has has your experience of the song or your opinion of the song changed in any way? I still feel exactly the same way. It's uh, I love the complexity of it and the fact that it makes me think so much. Um, yeah, same. Yeah, it's like really? a black hole, right? It's like mm-hmm. you can never you can just stop like keep going down this looking hole. Into it. Yeah, yeah. I I've always found it like super interesting, so I can't imagine oh, finding yeah, it okay. more interesting than that. Like, hmm. yeah. I don't know, man. Like my appreciation for the song over the past like twenty four hours, at the very least, has substantially increased. Like, don't get me wrong, I have adored and loved and obsessed over the song, you know, right for, right from the start. But because you know, we I've I've had to sit down with these time signatures and uh, you know, after the discussion on the podcast today, I'm just like, how far does this rabbit hole actually go? You know, are we grasping at straws, you know, or, you know, is Jonas just sitting there rubbing his hands like, Yes, my child, yes. <laughs> Getting it. Yeah. You know, like I imagine like the Jack Nicholson face. <laughs> Yeah, or maybe it's just not shaking his head like they're not even close. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, no, guys, don't make it into something. It's not. It's 4-4. Four, four. Just count yeah. real. Yeah, it's just 4-4. Four, four. Shut up and move on. It's really not. I, just, uh, I promise you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, song is absolutely 10 out of 10 out of 10 times a million for me. So Yeah, like as I said in the beginning of the episode, I've grown to love it even more than I did before in the last few days. But I've noticed... Like subtle melodies that I really find great. Like 
uh, the way he sings "You Wore Me Down" words that I show. I just think that's really brilliant mm-hmm. the way he sings it. Mm-hmm. And it is, yeah, yeah. So I've learned to appreciate more of the song, like little details here and there, and it's really great. This is like a good example of when we say this is a studio album. Like it, this is very constructed. It almost it cannot grow out organically of just sitting down with a guitar. You have to have some sort of bigger. Oh, idea yeah. in mind to write this yeah. and to mm-hmm. build it the way it's built mm-hmm. to have that final version yeah I don't know how many of you are still out there listening to us or how yeah, many of you are just as now. frustrated now that we don't seem to really reach a final end it's like it repeats itself so thank you for listening and uh We'll be back next Monday with uh, yet another fantastic track that hopefully has an end and doesn't repeat itself. So follow us on social media. The tag is MuxInfo and the website is, as always, Muex.info. So meet us there for all your lyrics, fan art, uh, music videos, and so much more. And check out the show notes if you want all the juicy details here. Because... Uh, I'll probably leave a lot on the cutting floor, I imagine.